today we have a special opportunity. Um, we have Azzy Keys with us. She is the son of Justin and Crystal Keys. And uh, she has just an incredible call of God on her life. Um, one of the things that the Assemblies of God does is they do this thing called Fine Arts Festival. And it encourages teenagers to discover, develop, and then to deploy the gifts that God has given them. And so uh, she has had the opportunity to preach many different sermons. And uh, today she's going to come and give us a, a short sermon. And uh, she killed it first service, did an incredible job. So will you guys give it up for Azzy Keys as she comes today? Good morning, guys. Good morning. How's everybody doing? <laughs> okay, so like Pastor Josh said, my name is Azzy Keys, and my parents are Justin and Crystal. My mom is back there. Um, and uh, today I will be preaching my short sermon, but before I get started, I'm going to um, pray. So if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for this amazing opportunity that you have given me to come and preach your word. God, I just pray right now that you will um, send your Holy Spirit to guide my lips. And I just pray that you will help everybody to open their ears and their hearts to receive what you have for them. Um, in your holy name I pray, amen. The title of my sermon is um, Entertaining Demons. Billy Graham once said, yes, Satan is real, but so is Christ. And one day, Satan will be defeated and Christ will rule forever. Don't be deceived, but open your heart and your mind to Jesus Christ and put your life into his hands. In the world we live in, I'm afraid we have allowed Satan to have a very easy access into our lives if we're not careful. The secular music industry and Hollywood productions are proof that Satan is doing everything he can to draw us away from God and his plan in our lives. For example, artists and writers who are demonically influenced themselves oftentimes take their platform to create productions that would lure our attention away from God. So what I'm trying to say is that we need to carefully think about the influence that our culture is having on us. We should always be asking ourselves, does this have a godly influence in my life or does this have a worldly influence? Is this drawing me closer to God or does this just make me blend more into the world? Some people like to think that we have to understand the world to bring people out of it, but I like to think of it like this. You don't have to be in the garbage can to pull somebody out of it. You don't have to be a part of the world to help show others the right way out. Hebrews 13.2 says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. So this verse of scripture brings us to believe that we can entertain angels without knowing it. And then this puts a question in our heads. If we can entertain angels without knowing it, could we also entertain demons? Lots of people have been known to listen to secular music, read books, and watch movies that many times have secret demonic attachments to them, which could cause them to wake up in the night, see spirits, have nightmares. And these things could also make you say things you wouldn't normally say and question things that you wouldn't normally question. Like, do my parents actually love me? Or am I actually a girl? Or is Jesus actually real? And the list just goes on. Um, this shows us that Satan will always find ways to sneak himself into stuff that we would never suspect. And then that's exactly how he tricks us into falling into sin, which can and will easily start to draw us away from God. Because of this, today I'm talking about how easy it is, the dangers and the resolution for entertaining demonic spirits. 
Lots of us truly don't understand how easy it is to invite these spirits into our homes and our lives without even realizing it. The Bible says that Satan has come to earth to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is going to do everything he can to tempt us and throw us off the path that God wants us to follow. Now, I said all of that, but I want you to remember the most important thing. 1 John 4.4 says, You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So, because we have Christ in us, it is so much easier to resist the lies and temptations of the enemy. But we still have to be careful and, guards our, and guard our hearts and our minds from the evil and wicked sins that is and will always be in the world. The Bible gives us a very clear way to avoid the devil and his demons, and that is by living a life in obedience to scripture. The Bible tells us that if we submit to God and resist evil, that the devil and his demons will flee from us. One way we can submit to God and fight off the wicked temptations from Satan is by putting on the full armor of God. Ephesians 6, 11 through 13 says, Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Jesus loves you and he cares about you so much and he wants to be present in your life at all times and he wants you to lean on him for everything. But light and darkness cannot mix. So if we allow if we open doors for Satan to creep into our lives, his darkness will slowly start to drown out the light of Jesus if we allow it to. As I come to a close, I want you to remember that if God is for us, nothing can stand against us. And if we guard our hearts and stay obedient to scripture, we can resist the attacks and the lies of the enemy. Satan has no way into your life unless you allow it and give him an open door to walk through. And the next time you're watching or reading or listening to something that you think may be harmful, ask yourself this, am I entertaining angels or am I entertaining demons? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to preach on this today. I just pray that this touch everybody that it needed to. And um, please just help us to think more like you and all that we watch, read, listen to, and do. In your holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, didn't she do a good job? She's a teenager, and if you don't think that's hard, just try it sometime. <laughs> she does a great job, and she's coached well by her parents. Today's an awesome day as we uh, have Grandparents Day. Any great-grandparents here? Well, good, good. Well, I salute you. In fact, I have to stop, and I did after the first service. I counted up our, our greats, and we have 16 greats and one in the oven. So we're truly blessed, and I forgot how many regular grandkids we have. But this is a special day, and blessings on you. Would you stand with me today as we read from the Word? We'll be reading two passages, and 
it's on the screen. You can follow along with me. The first one is in Proverbs. <clears throat> the second will be in Timothy, Second Timothy. Reading from Proverbs, trouble chases sinners, while blessings reward the righteous. Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. A poor person's farm may produce much food, but injustice sweeps it away. Now from 2 Timothy 1.5, I remember your genuine faith, for you shared the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that the same faith continues strong in you. Amen, amen. Today we continue in our series, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Times. We are looking at the book of Proverbs and we're looking at some specific themes that the Proverbs reveal to us. And so today we're going to be wrestling with, I think, one of the most important concepts that we can think of. And that is, what does it look like to leave a godly legacy? What does it look like to allow our lives to pass on to the next generation a godly legacy that they can follow in those footsteps. The truth is this is, this is definitely a sermon that's meant for Grandparents Day, but, but can I tell you this, every single person in this room, you have influence. There's someone in your life that's looking up to you. There's someone in your life that they are following in your footsteps. They are, they are mirroring your words. They are, they are imitating your actions. And so what we are wrestling with this morning is really something that is intended for every single person in this room, and one that the Bible has a lot of counsel in regards to, that we have a responsibility with how we lead our lives. So let's go to the Father in prayer. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us through his word, and may we be challenged today. Father, we come before you. Jesus, we honor you. We thank you for who you are and all that you have done for us. And God, I pray that in this place today that we would be challenged to be people who follow in your footsteps, that our lives would reflect you, Jesus, in all that we think, all that we do, all that we say, and that, Lord, in this place today, we would leave here challenged, Lord, to grow closer in our walk with you. In your mighty name we pray, amen, amen. I want to start this morning by talking about sacred objects. Sacred objects. Um, sacred objects are those things that we have that it's an item, but it's more than an item. I often will ask people, you know, if your house was burning down and all of your family and pets were safe, unless there's a pet you want to get rid of. But you, <laughs> I'm just, well, I touched the, <laughs> I went to the wrong place. There's some people here like, but, um, but if, if every one of those was safe and you could run in and get one item, what would it be? What's really interesting when you ask people that question, no one's ever like, I'll go in and get my money or I'd go in and get that thing. There's usually an object that has great sentimental value. It's something, but it's more than something. It's an object that reveals maybe a character trait or something of distant memory of that person that you loved, something that was near and dear to your heart. It was something that was valuable to you. Um, for me, uh, one of the things that I, I've inherited is my grandma taught me how to make fudge. And so there's a recipe that I have that's written in her own handwriting that I, I've kept that, like, that's one of the most prized things that I have. And so um, our family, 
fudge is something that we're known for making. My Uncle Jim's with us today. He is the, definitely the supreme fudge maker, absolutely. If you've ever had the chance to eat his, it's, it's by far the best. But um, I, I, I know how to make it a little bit. But it's one of those things that has been handed down to me as well. I remember when my, my grandpa Lee died. Um, we gathered together as we were going through his items and his house and cleaning up the home. And all the grandkids had this opportunity to go around and pick specific items that we wanted to keep that reminded us of him. And what's really interesting is that each one of the grandkids had something completely different in mind to pick. For instance, my brother, he picked like a wood lathe that he remembered going out to the wood shop with my grandpa and working on some things. I, on the other hand, I picked this, um, he worked in like a factory job, and one of the things that he had, he had this leather belt that they called being on the bench. And essentially, it was something that like, whenever he worked with these other, these other guys, if, if he caught them cussing at work, he would put them on the bench, and he would act like he was going to whip them with the belt. He didn't really, so don't worry. <laughs> but, and so on this thing, he had this engraved, like every person who ended up on the bench and all those who didn't. And it was one of those funny stories he had taught me. And so that's sitting in my home to this day is something that I remember of him. But what I wanted you to think about is, for all of us, there's objects that we have that are like a living memory or a living legacy to us about that person. It's like the passing of a torch. Maybe in your family it was golf or fishing, camping. Maybe it was canoeing, board games, video games, movies, travel, the outdoors, collecting pens, fill in the blank. There's certain things that you do because it was handed down to you. There are certain characteristics about your personality that were evident in your parents. And parents in the room, there are certain characteristics that you see sometimes come out of your children that you're like, whew, that was a little too close to home. <laughs> it was like looking in the mirror, right? You, you see their attitude, you see how they responded, and you're like, ew, that's coming right back at me. Like, I, I recognize that thing. Maybe, again, it can be good things or bad things. It could be encouragement or criticism. It could be presence or absence. It could be being a legacy of faith or a legacy of brokenness. And the question I have for us to wrap our minds around this morning and to wrestle with is, what are you handing off? What are you passing off to the next generation? What spiritual legacy are you giving to those you have influence over? It might be a son, daughter, niece, nephew, friend, roommate. But every person in this room, every person in this room, there are people who are walking in your footsteps, both like figuratively, like they're, they're following in. But some of you, you know, you've got kids that like they are literally following in your footsteps. Sometimes not even in your footsteps. Sometimes they're attached to you. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you get the bear hug in the leg and it's just like you're just dragging a child along through the house with you. Sometimes it's two and you're just like stomping through. But there's people who are literally following your influence and in what you do. What are you and I handing off to the next generation? What are we kind of spiritual legacy are we passing off? I want to talk to you just briefly about the power of a funeral. Psalms chapter 90 verse 12 says this, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Think about that verse with me for a second. 
The psalmist writes and he's saying, help me, teach me. Give me a moment to realize that life, like the, the utter brevity of life, how short it is. Teach me to number my days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Um, the power of a funeral is the fact that every person who attends it, your calendar stops, what's happening on your cell phone pauses, your watch isn't as important. In that moment, you are encapsulated in this segment of time that what is happening here is of supreme importance. And its challenge is to get us to contemplate our life, to get us to think about what really matters, to get us to think about what, what about my life is really being revealed and what is important. Can I tell you something? I've done a lot of funerals, a lot of funerals. And each one is really interesting. Um, one of the things that I've known about this is I've yet to see someone be buried with like a pile of money. I've yet to see someone be buried with their laptop, their wrench, their watch, uh, with a trophy or with a plaque, as if to say, look at all my success and awards. What's really interesting is they get buried instead with like special mementos that reveal relationship. A wedding ring, a picture of a beloved loved one. Because what we realize is this, can I tell you something? Um, and, and I know we all know this, but there's nothing you can take with you from this life. Not your success, not how many hours you put in at the job, not none of those things. And on that day at your funeral, what will matter is this, is what kind of life did you leave? What kind of relationships were you in and did you invest in? What, what effect did you have on those you love the most? And my hope is that today, this is kind of a somber moment for us as well, to challenge us to teach us to number our days, to think about what, what does my life reveal? Let me, let me give you another perspective of this. At our Muncie campus, we have this family ministry display that is like absolutely horrible for moms. Like, any time they pass by it, like, it just crushes their heart. <laughs> uh, it's, it, there's 18 jars in a row, okay? And so, it, like, the first jar says, like, whenever your child's one, and then the final jar is, like, when your child's 18 and about to move out of the house. And inside those jars are marbles, and every marble resembles a week. So when you get to the first jar, it has every week you will have with your child from then until 18 years of age. I was there last week and I was shooting a video and I turned around and I saw the jar that was my son Jason's age and I was like, <laughs> because you just see your time slowly. Let me put it in a different way with you. If you have a child that's 12 years old, you have about six Christmases left with them before they potentially move out. Different way of thinking about it, isn't it? And what that does to us is it challenges us to go, man, I need, to, I need to number my days. Like, I, I need to capitalize on the time that I have. I need to realize every single moment matters and what is really important. What, what am I handing off? What am I passing off? What legacy am I leaving? What effect does my life have? We need to pause long enough to think about the legacy that we're leaving behind. And Scripture has a lot to say about our legacy. And I want to start with this, understanding that legacy is cultivated through prayer. 
Come on. Legacy is cultivated through prayer. Um, real quickly, parents in the room, I want you just to, as long as it's appropriate, <laughs> I want you to shout out your kids' first words. <laughs> Mom, okay? Dad, that's right. The, the most common one is dad. Dad's in the room, right? Okay, it's because phonetically it's easier to say. Let's just be real. <laughs> Dad has the easier than mama. We like to act like it's because we're so awesome. It's not. It's just the kids have an easier time. Now, my brother-in-law, his first word was touchdown. <laughs> because they watched a lot of football, and they, which I think is funny because they're Browns fans, and they don't get a lot of touchdowns. So <laughs> I'm shocked that, like, <laughs> the kid actually even knew the, the word touchdown. Um, but what I think is really interesting about this is when you think about like a kid's first words, those words reflect what they have seen, what they have heard, and what they've been encouraged to repeat, right? Like moms and dads in the room, you know how many times you're just like, like now say dada, say dada, right? And they're just like, nah, nah. <laughs> you're, you're fighting through with them in their inexperience and all that. Well, there's this really cool moment in scripture where the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Think about that for a moment. The disciples had heard, they had watched, they had experienced the power that had come from Jesus' alone time with the Father. And they're like, I want that. Jesus, teach me. I want to mimic your words. I want to mirror them. I want them to ooze out of my life. I want to pray like you pray. Legacy is cultivated through prayer. I remember hearing my mom and my dad pray over my life. I remember coming down, I had a paper route, and I'd get up at like 4 o'clock in the morning whenever I was 12 years old to go throw papers in the northeast Ohio snow. And I'd hear my mom calling out over my life and over my future spouse. She prayed for my wife before I ever even thought the girls were cute. Right, She was like, Jesus, give him a good one because Lord knows he needs it. <laughs> Let her have patience, Jesus. <laughs> but the truth is this, is I, like, I remember many times whenever I would get sick, like the first thing I would do is I'd call, Mom. Like kids, is, you know, before you need Tylenol, you need Mom. Before you need Pepto, well, maybe after you need Pepto, you call Mom. You're like, help. And the thing is this, is that in reality, they can't just show up on the scene and change everything in a moment, but their presence can. And the truth is this, is that like, I remember hearing them pray and wanting to pray like them because prayer changes the way we see our influence. It changes the way that I see my interaction with those who are in my life. It allows me to see them through the eyes of Christ and not through the eyes of Josh Johnson. Can I tell you something? Maybe one of the best things that you could do and implement after today is as you're coming home from work, just pausing in the driveway for maybe five to ten minutes and praying before you walk back into your home. Because so many times we carry with us the bubbling pressure, anxiety, stress that comes with that, and we, we just walk right into our home, and it, that is shaping how we view our family rather than the presence of God. But if we would pause just long enough to go, Jesus, sanctify my mindset, renew my mind. Let me see my kids as you see them. Let me see the opportunity that I have because I don't have that many. We don't. 
Let me see this moment through the eyes of faith and not through the eyes of fear. Help me see the influence that I have. So prayer changes the way I see my influence, but it also changes the way that I interact. I'm going to say something that I think we all know, but I just want you to contemplate it for a moment. I want you to think about a moment, maybe that moment in your life where you had a real deep encounter with God. Maybe it was at an altar, right? You came forward and God just met you in your presence. Can I tell you something? You didn't sin at the altar. Like there was no temptation there. You didn't just get into the middle of a, like a, an angry fit while in the middle of like praying in God's presence and start like cussing people out. At least I hope not. If that was your encounter, again, then we need to talk about that. But here, here's what I want you to understand about that. My prayer life changes how I interact with others. What was maybe frustration before is an opportunity for growth when I look through the eyes of prayer. What was annoyance before, through the eyes of prayer, I can see that they want my attention. What before is maybe they're acting out, I see that they need maybe some more of my T-I-M-E. And prayer changes the way that I see my influences. Now it changes the way that I interact. But it also, can I tell you something? Prayer itself is a powerful, lasting legacy. It's the gift. That's what Jesus gave to his disciples. He gave them the gift of prayer. He said, you want to learn how I pray? Listen carefully and I'll show you. I'm going to give you a gift of what it looks like to be in the presence of the king. What if we gave that kind of gift to our kids? Think about it for a second. Do your kids hear you pray? Do your kids see you invested in your relationship with Jesus? Do your kids, do the people that you have influence over, your grandkids, are, are they watching that? Because the truth is this, is that to create a legacy, it requires presence. A legacy requires presence. Proverbs 13, 23 says, a poor person's farm may produce much food, but injustice sweeps it all away. Whatever it is that we model is what gets reflected. That's one of the hardest truths about parenting. Again, it's whenever we see an attitude, whenever we see a response that we know they've learned from us. That we look and we're like, that one hit a little close to home. That was like looking in the mirror. Like there's been times that my kids, like I'm hearing an angel in the other room yelling at them and I come in and I see they're doing something they shouldn't be doing and I hate it because there's part of me that goes, that looks like fun. <laughs> I'm like, I know where they get it from. I'm like, like you shouldn't be doing that. But go out of the room so dad can try. You know, <laughs> because like seriously, like there's, there's part of us that's always being hand it off. This part of us that, that's leaving that lasting legacy for the next generation. Presence is displayed through nearness. Something can't be handed off if you're not present and there. It has to be seen. I'm going to tell you something that um, the American church, not the worldwide church, but the American church is in some serious trouble. And the reason it is, is because what we have seen is the lack of prayer and the lack of presence. Um, the lack of this handing off of one generation to the next. Studies have come out, and th this is what they're telling us. They used to say that 
for Christian teenagers that by the time they graduated college, 60 to 80% would leave the faith. The stats now are saying by the time they leave high school, it's 80%. And you say, Pastor, what, why, how could that possibly be happening? Well, th- this is why. Because in American households, only one out of ten, catch this, one out of ten of American Christian households ever open the Bible once outside of church. They did a study of 18 to 24-year-olds, 18 to 24-year-olds, so like the tail end of high school and into college, and they found that on average, Christians in that age range only open their Bible three times outside of church. And this is self-described Christians. So what's happening is this, is that the legacy is not being handed off to the next generation. Kids aren't hearing the word of God. They're not seeing faith lived out. And so what we're seeing is the consequences that have come from that. Presence only happens through nearness. Modeling can only happen if we see it lived out in front of us. And presence has power. We're changed by being in the presence of Jesus but we're also changed by being in the presence of his followers. Can I tell you something? Never underestimate the power of your influence. You might only have one day a year with your grandkids, but can I tell you something? Maximize that one day. You may only have a few hours with your kids at night. Can I plead with you? Maximize the time that you have with them because presence is, has power and presence always impacts the future. I want to read to you from Jeremiah chapter 22. Jeremiah, he writes this and he says, And the Lord says, What sorrow awaits Jehoiakim, who builds his palace with forced labor. He builds in, (laughs) catch this, he builds injustice into its walls. For he makes his neighbors work for nothing. He does not pay them for their labor. This prophecy comes from Jeremiah to Jehoiakim, and he's telling him, listen to me, the way that you are building your very home is with injustice. You're building it into your walls. Can I tell you something? We need to be people who build love into the walls of our home and encouragement and strength and support and a godly legacy. That's what he writes, and 2 Timothy gives us proof of this. This is what Paul says to him. I love this. He says, I remember your genuine faith. Now watch this. Look how he's gonna describe Timothy's faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. Do you realize what Paul just said there? He goes, Timothy, you have an incredible relationship with God. But that was passed down. That was faithfully given to you because you watched your grandmother and you watched your mother And they taught you the truth of God's word. And the faith that's strong in you has its roots in those who've placed it inside you. See, the legacy that we live, it it leaves a blessing. Read with me here from Proverbs chapter 13. Trouble chases sinners while blessing rewards the righteous. Can I tell you something? I don't want trouble to chase my kids. I want blessing to chase them. Trouble chases sinners while blessing rewards the righteous. Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. 
Can I tell you something? Whenever it says here, good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, it's not just talking about money. It's the relationship with Jesus that you have. It's the things you have instilled in them to the next generation. And I just want you to do this with me real quick. We're going to play a little game. Imagine you wanted to leave $100,000 to your grandkids. (laughs) That would be awesome. (laughs) It ain't going to happen, but that would be awesome. (laughs) At least not for me. But imagine that would take effort. That would take years. That would take planning. That would take investing. That would take strategic moves that would take years and years of constant process thinking of how am I going to get to this place to do that? Now, I want you to watch this. Listen to me. The same is true with our lives. What kind of legacy investment are you leaving to your kids in regards to their walk with Jesus, their prayer life, their faith? Like, their love for God, their dedication to his house, their, their growth in relationships with other godly people. Can I tell you something? It takes that exact same continual process planning of constant investment. Again, teach us to number our days. Sometimes it feels like we've got all the future ahead of us. Again, if you've got a 12-year-old, you've got six Christmases left. <laughs> yeah, the mom's like, Stacy's like, would you shut up? <laughs> Seriously, though, we have such precious few time. How are we investing in them? What I love is um, whenever I wrote there in Jeremiah chapter 22, we read it a little bit earlier, it talked about Jehoiakim who built his palace with forced labor. If you read through the Old Testament, one of the things you'll notice about the kings of Israel is they are a hot mess. Like seriously, you go through like First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, and you're like, someone needs a spanking. Like seriously, like someone needs to to dish out some serious discipline because these guys are an absolute hot mess. But you know what's so cool is you read through those books, and there's many times you'll get to this really, and it's like, and this evil king did this, and then blah blah blah, and the people of God they're worshiping, they're doing all these other things, and you're just waiting for like the shoe to fall and for God to carry out justice. But then there's this really interesting verse, and it says, "But because of my servant David, I withheld my wrath." David's heart carried on in the eyes of God. The legacy of pursuing Jesus and pursuing God held strong so much so that even in the midst of absolute chaos, the king of kings goes, because of my servant, David. Oh, how I want that to be true of our homes. That when our kids are making absolute mistakes or those under our influence are making a wreck of their life, there's still the echo of our life reverberating to them. Jensen Franklin, he preached a sermon about that. One of the things I loved, he was like, you know, my friends, he's like, you know, they would get high and they'd do all these drugs and they'd see all these really cool things. He's like, but my stinking spiritual heritage, I saw like Moses and the Ten Commandments. He's like, it was awful for me. <laughs> He's like, I'll be over here trying to have a good time. And next thing I know, it's like, there's Moses like calling down fire upon me. And he's like, because the truth is this, the, he calls it the prodigal's advantage. The prodigal at least knows the way home. 
The legacy you leave is you leave constant signposts so that if your kids wander, they know how to get back home if we leave that legacy. Legacy leaves a blessing. All the broken things that we thought were important are going to end up in a trash dump. Let me prove this to you a couple ways. Number one, very few of you in this room sitting in your house right now is your most prized possession, your cassette tape arsenal. <laughs> right? Like, like kids under the age of like 10 in this room, they're like, cassette what? <laughs> they're like, they, if you were to hand it to them right now, they're like, is this from another planet? What does this do? <laughs> you know, what is this contraption? Like, there's no buttons. <laughs> There's no screen. Like, how do you listen to this, right? What was once seen as so valuable and important is gone. What about blockbuster video? There used to be one on every single street corner. There's one total left, and it's an Airbnb. Seriously, Google it. There's one total blockbuster left in the world, and it's an Airbnb. What was seen as so important... If we're not careful, we can consume our lives with the things in that moment we feel are so urgent, so important, so vital, so needed. But can I tell you what really matters and what stands the test of time is your presence. Because love is more often than not spelled T-I-M-E. The legacy that we can leave behind is what remains. It's the things that we pour into our families, the things we pour into their life. It, listen to me. This verse is about far more than just money. Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren. It's not just about money. It's, it's, it's about the legacy. Listen, I want the echoes of my life to reverberate into my children's children. I want my grandkids and my great-grandkids and my great-great-great-grandkids to be able to look back and go, I'm going to follow Jesus because there was a great-grandpa who poured into me. On that day that my grandpa died, we went into his house. And he had a lot of two different things. Bibles and guns. <laughs> I know. We're in that part of the country. Everyone's like, yeah. Hey, <laughs> ma'am. But what I loved about it is we went in there and uh, every single one of the grandkids were able to go up to the shelf and pick out one of his Bibles. This is my grandpa's Bible. This is a lasting legacy to me of his dedication to the word of God. The first sermon that I ever preached was about the age of five or six was coming home from a fishing trip. He had one of those old trucks that was like the entire thing was just a giant bench seat. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, the fake leather that like your skin would stick to in the middle of the summer. <laughs> I remember I was standing in the chair as we're driving back from fishing and he looks at me and he goes, preach it, Johnson. And I said, preach what, Grandpa? And he goes, whatever you want. And so I just stood up and I I'm sitting there and I'm preaching a sermon and he's, he's driving an amen and hollering and doing this whole thing. But, but he put inside me and our family a priority of the word of God. 
When I preached in Akron, Ohio, we would send CDs to him so that he could hear me preach, and he listened to every single one of them again and again and again. This Bible, listen to me, it is a, it's a leather-bound thing full of pages, but it's far more than that. This stands on my bookshelf as a lasting memory to me forever of the legacy that has been passed down faithfully from generation to the next, to the next, to the next, that someday I'm hoping my kids, in fact, Jason, just this past year, every every year here at a church, one of the things we do is we give out Bibles to, um, brand new Bibles to all kids going into second grade and going into sixth grade as a way of saying we prioritize this as a church, we want your kids to have it. Every kid got a brand new Bible but my son. He got an old, beat-up, torn-up Bible because it was bought new at once. But what I did is I went through that Bible, and I underlined, and I highlighted, and I circled, and I wrote him notes. So when he went into sixth grade, I handed him his Bible that is literally laced and full of, like, my notes and prayers and thoughts towards him. And my prayer is that this becomes a lasting legacy to him. So what I have for us today is this, is simply asking the question, What are you doing? What am I doing to leave a legacy of faith? And can I challenge each of us? Let's live a life that leaves a legacy that's worth following. Let's live a life. Maybe today God brought you here on purpose because right now your life has just been out of control, maybe whether it be temptation or the tyranny of the urgent or whatever. But today, it's almost like a, like a funeral. It's a moment in time where we can pause long enough just to look inwardly at our own soul and go, okay, God, what is my life saying right now? What am I doing with the influence that I have? What kind of legacy am I imparting to the next generation, to those underneath my influence? And I want us to wrestle with that. So let's do this right now. Let's just take a moment. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And I want to encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you in this moment. And I want you just to simply ask him and say, God, I want you to speak and challenge me. The ancient wisdom that comes from the Proverbs commands us to leave a legacy that goes beyond even our children into our grandchildren. The scriptures challenge us to number our days. Every person in this room, can we pause right now and just simply ask this question? Right now, in this season of life, what legacy am I leaving? Every person in this room, listen to me, whether you are a child to an adult, there's people who walk in your footsteps. It might be another kid at church that looks at you and they're watching how you live. It might be a brother, a sister, or a sibling that they watch what you say, what you wear, what you do. It might be your children. It might be your nieces and nephews. It might be your best friend's kids that you get opportunities to watch and interact with. It might be friends at school. It might be your roommate. But there's someone who's watching your life and they're watching your influence. And I believe that the Spirit of God is speaking today and he's challenging us saying, listen, live a life worth following. What kind of legacy of prayer are you leaving behind? What kind of legacy of presence are you leaving behind? 
Are you there or are you absent? Is your life investing and pouring into? Are you investing in the things that really matter? Do your kids see you in the word of God? Do they see you in prayer? Do they see you in the house of God? Do they see you interacting with other Christians and growing in your walk with Jesus? What today is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Or maybe there's an area that he's saying, hey, I'm identifying it today. I I want you to grow in this. Maybe like earlier I said, as soon as I said it, maybe the Holy Spirit prompted you. And you know you need that little prayer right before you walk through the doors of your home. Maybe God's convicting you this morning and he's saying, you know what? You're taking work home with you every single day. And it's time to leave it in the driveway. So when you walk through, you can walk through those doors with a sanctified mindset. And truly see those you love for who they really are. Right now, can we collectively just go to the Father and say, Jesus, help me. Help me to leave a legacy. Help me to lead like you led, Jesus. Help me to love like you loved. Help me to care like you care. That God, we would be people who leave a legacy of prayer and of presence and of blessing. Jesus, we worship you, we love you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Happy Grandparents Day. Grandparents, thank you for the role and investment you have in your grandkids' lives. Can I tell you something? It's far greater than you'll ever imagine. It really is. 